Hi, this is Rob Delaney, and you're listening to PF Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, and this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Dustin Yabara isn't quite sure whether or not he's made it in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's so, I don't. It's so funny. I have done stuff, and I'm wondering at what point does that come where you get these this uh, these checks that actor lifestyle. We'll talk to Dustin in just a few minutes. Also coming up, John Sununu really has to get off the phone when presented with some facts. A new anti-Obama ad from the Romney campaign, and I get mentioned in a backhanded sort of way on another podcast. But first, as always, fake news. Fake news with me. Bill Cosby, Rihanna, Eddie Murphy, not dead. All have been the subject of recent internet and social media hoaxes. Chevy Chase is also not dead, but recently confirmed that former Spanish leader Francisco Franco still is after all these years. The U.S. military is ramping up efforts to counter the Taliban's growing presence on social media sites by aggressively responding to falsehoods and reporting violations of the site's guidelines and violent threats, experts say. Twitter accounts or websites associated with militant groups typically take responsibility for attacks whether or not they had anything to do with them. NATO commanders also say the Allied troops are being unnecessarily distracted by adorable pictures of kittens dressed in the traditional head garb favored by Taliban extremists. Fifty Shades of Grey has shifted the romance genre spotlight into erotic fiction, sparking a flurry of similar plots and book jackets this summer. The picture in the USA Today of the cover of Fifty Shades of Grey, under it it says enlarge. I'm not kidding. On the USA Today website. Anyway, E.L. James' erotic trilogy about billionaire bad boy Christian Grey and his virginal young lover Anastasia Steele has sold a jaw-dropping 30 million copies in the USA. The book is a hit with women who don't realize that at least half the population of Earth is willing to have sex at any moment. Looks like the party's over for Snooky and company, but don't expect them to go out with anything less than a bang or two. <laughs> that was mine. MTV has announced that the upcoming sixth season of Jersey Shore will be its last. The sixth and final season premieres at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on October 4th. After the series wraps up, the most embarrassing thing about New Jersey will once again be Donald Trump. Lost star Jorge Garcia is joining the cast of Once Upon a Time. Garcia will play the giant in one episode of the ABC fairy tale drama's upcoming second season, The Hollywood Reporter said last week. With plans for Jack and the Beanstalk episode, it can be speculated that Garcia will appear in that hour. In a departure from the traditional telling of the story, the giant will tell Jack that he has to go back. A law in Texas that would allow would-be voters to cast ballots with only certain forms of photographic identification has been knocked down by a U.S. court in Washington. The three-judge panel noted that a disproportionately high percentage of African Americans and Hispanics in Texas live in poverty and that obtaining a photo ID for them is burdensome. Voter ID proponents voter ID proponents will now have to go back to relying on intimidation and misinformation. And that's been Fake News with me. So we've been on this whole work requirements for welfare thing for a few weeks now, and it just gets better and better. To bring you up to speed, Governor Romney in August started running an ad saying this. But on July 12th, President Obama quietly announced a plan to gut welfare reform by dropping work requirements. Under Obama's plan, you wouldn't have to work and wouldn't have to train for a job. They just send you your welfare check. Now, this was almost immediately debunked by everyone getting a pants-on-fire false alarm from the PolitiFact fact-checking website. But in this black-is-white, up-is-down, in-is-out world of the GOP, they feel that if they repeat this loud enough and long enough, people will accept it as fact. And no one is more ardent than former New Hampshire governor and White House chief of staff 
under George H.W. Bush, John Sununu. He spoke to Brooke Gladstone of NPR's Very Fine on the Media program, where she pointed out the debunking, and Mr. Sununu would have none of it. With all due respect to the, quote, fact-checkers that have called that ad wrong, they don't know what they're talking about. Let me explain to you why they're wrong. That law was written specifically by a Republican Congress Okay, so he goes on to explain that the law was written so that there would be, that governors could not ask for exceptions to uh, the welfare law, and he punches it again with? The fact checkers just don't know what they're talking about. He says the move by Health and Human Services Secretary Kathleen Sebelius uh, gives far too much leeway for governors to change the program. And what has been done by the memo from Health and Human Services that has gone out there literally begging governors to ask for waivers on the workfare component is gutting the process. Which, of course, is nonsense. Now, on Bill Maher's show, uh, Georgia Representative Jack Kingston uh, explained it this way. Even though the memorandum doesn't really make that many changes, it's that she's asserting the authority that she can gut the work requirement. And that means that a future administration, or maybe even the Obama administration a second term, could go much further in claiming that they have the legal authority to undermine the work requirement. And that's, that's what a lot of people have been concerned about. So they're trying to extend this to say that because there are waivers, that maybe someday down the road, you know, it could, you could extrapolate it, and then you, you might get to a point where, you know, people could get, you know, uh, send, just get sent a check and not have to look for a job or train for a job or anything like that. But that's not what's happening. And uh, to interpret it that way, you know, is a little disingenuous. Uh, Brooke Gladstone points that out to which, well, here it is. This is the problem when everyone has the right to their own facts. Ma'am, you weren't involved. You weren't involved in writing the law. Rick Santorum was. You weren't involved in writing the law. Speaker Gingrich was. Okay, yeah, yeah, we got it. But we can read the law and we can read the memo from Kathleen Sebelius. What else have we got? And all the weasel wording that comes out of the President of the United States and NPR is not going to change those facts. I've enjoyed being on the air. I've got to go to my next call. Because uh, I've got a lot of bull to defend elsewhere. Okay, so she won't let him go, though. Why didn't the ad refer to waivers rather than no longer having to work? Why not say what it is the president actually did? If you say that the ad is perfectly right with adding waivers, then you're acknowledging the fact that the president broke the law. By I think the ad is wrong. And, and here it as comes. As usual, you, part of the liberal press that will cover this president's butt across the board, you're going to lose in November. But I've enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. And thankfully, he got off the phone before it could be pointed out that Mitt Romney in 2005 asked George W. Bush for the same exact waivers in a letter that was signed by several other governors, and that letter is on the website of the New York Times News blog. Okay, so that was a lot of fun. But what I can't figure out is why the the Romney people, and I guess to a lesser extent the Obama side, won't run a more honest campaign because there are so many real issues that people could be talking about. Uh, for example, um, I mean, I guess the Republicans make the, could make the argument, and they have a little bit, that the recovery hasn't come fast enough. Okay, and while the Democrats are going to counter with, well, it, it's a, it was a huge mess that we were left with, and we haven't had enough time, you know, you could have an argument about that, and an honest one, and because you wouldn't have to you know, BS anybody. It's a matter of opinion, and you could, you know, point out some things. Okay. Uh, another approach that the Republicans are taking, and this from uh, Karl Rove's Americans for Prosperity or, or some— 
Another approach they're taking from one of these uh, super PACs, which it, which for a super PAC ad isn't that hideous. It's a pretty logical, uh, it's a pretty logical approach. Uh, here it is. In 2008, I voted for President Obama with no reluctance. He presented himself as something different. I had hoped that the new president would bring new jobs, not major layoffs, not people going through major foreclosures on their homes. He did get his health care through, but at what cost? He said he was going to cut the deficit. Okay, so you get the idea. And then that, that's okay. You know, you find some folks that voted for President Obama or, or actors to portray them. Now I'm sure those folks are real. Um, because, you know, there are a lot of folks out there that are, are disappointed, you know, in, in how things turned out and some things that he said he was going to do that he didn't do. And, uh, for example, no one ever mentions this. He was supposed to have one of the most transparent administrations ever. And here it turns out it's actually less transparent than the George W. Bush administration based on reports from journalists who have tried to get uh, information from the administration. So, you know, there's that, um, which I guess nobody cares about. But anyway, uh, the Republicans also promised us in 2008 that if President Obama were uh, elected, he, if he did indeed become President Obama, which he did, that all kinds of horrible, awful stuff would happen uh, with his socialist agenda. And, and I wonder, you know, since that, that stuff didn't happen either, I wonder if those folks are disappointed. I voted for President Obama because I hate our freedoms and thought he would place us under a socialist regime. I thought he would put Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, and Glenn Beck in jail. Where are all the concentration camps we were promised? We still don't have Sharia law, and you know, he's supposed to be a Muslim, isn't he? And why hasn't control of our government been transferred to the UN? I thought he would take God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. This ad paid for by people trying to scare the shit out of America. Dustin Yabarra is a comedian who hails from Texas. He spent several years on the New York comedy scene before moving to Los Angeles. Now he splits time between acting gigs and headlining comedy clubs across the country. Here's our interview with Dustin Yabarra. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder, it's comedian Dustin Yabarra. Dustin, how's it going? Pretty good, man. You? Yeah. Good, good. Uh, I'm a little familiar with it, your stuff, though. I don't. Have you been to Cincinnati before, though? Uh, no, I haven't. It's actually my first time there, man. I'm pretty excited, man. So, how did you I, land the gigs? I know, you know, we seem seem to uh, see, you know, a, a bunch of guys kind of in the same circuit, I would say, of uh, L.A. and New York-based comedians. Yeah, um, I just got it through my agent. You know, he told me about it, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, cool. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll take it. I don't care where it is, man. So you're originally from Texas, is that correct? Uh, yes, I'm from Dallas originally. All right. And um, so I know you've done some acting and stuff. Did you start off to to be an actor and went into stand up, or you were in stand up and got a bug for acting too, or? Uh, no, I started doing stand up when I was like 17, and uh, just in Dallas, you know. And I was there for like four years and moved to New York and started doing it there and okay. uh, then moved to L.A. And it really when I moved to L.A., that's when I started doing the whole like acting thing, you know? Okay. Yeah, but you, and it's like, it's cool, you know, it's fun. But like stand-up, I love stand-up. Uh, they just treat you so much better acting, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's so weird because it's like, I feel like, I don't know, man, stand-up, I feel like it takes so much more work. You know, and so much more like you get judged just harder instantly. But then acting, you get like, you know, it's, I feel like it's not as bad and you get like nicer food and stuff, <laughs> you know. Well, I guess there are advantages and disadvantages. Cause I hear a lot of guys say, well, you know, 
the, the downside is you got to sit around and wait a lot and you're not getting to perform your own stuff. But then, like you said, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's an easy like gig. So if, easy. Yeah. yeah. That's cake, man. Yeah. You know, you're sitting around and you get free food and drinks. It's awesome, man. Well, I think I can handle that because I have a high threshold of boredom. So. I oh, can... yeah, dude. Me too. I'll just, I'll space out, man. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm the best at spacing out, man, and just dazing off. It's the best. Sometimes, like, it's weird. Some actors, like, and they're like, oh, we're not getting to your scene today. They'll, like, freak out, like, oh, this is ridiculous. I'm like, sweet, that's another extra day of, like, craft services, man. <laughs> so uh, do you all go on auditions a lot, or do people ask you at this point? Uh... Uh, no, just auditions mostly, just go on auditions and just, like, uh, just go through that whole process and try to make it, you know, try to get the part. Uh, it's cool. It, when they ask for uh, a certain character, do you ever show up and there's, like, 20 of you in the room I don't know oh, I God, dude it's pretty embarrassing man you'll go in and especially on commercials and stuff you know how there's always like a smart there's always like the cool friend you know yeah yeah and there's always like the dumb friend that like has his shirt off that's always the part that i like going for it you know <laughs> and it's embarrassing going in and seeing all the other like actors that you go in with like yep this is definitely me right here these dudes that guy that kid from the dell commercial you know <laughs> some things so when you got into comedy, was it a matter of your friends were all like, oh, you're funny, you should be on a stage, or are you just funny around your friends? I mean, you seem to kind of have that, that personality. I don't know. I didn't really have any friends in high school, man. I just got up and started doing open mics and stuff, and that's where I made a lot of my friends. And just Oh. Yeah, I just started doing it. Th- yeah, dude, I was a freaking nerd, man. I had, <laughs> I had, like, no friends in high school, so it all came through, like, stand-up. So all we- these great pals. So were you a comedy fan before that? Did you follow comedians and uh, you know watch the Comedy Central and the HBO specials and all that? I watch I watch Comedy Central like all the time, dude. I remember Tough Crowd was on when I was in high school, and I would watch that show like all the time. And I, it's weird. I didn't like put two and two together that through stand up you could do acting and what like stand up was exactly what all these dudes were. They were talking like, man, those are some funny guys. And then you find out they're all comics. And it's like, oh, man, I should be a comic. That'd be cool. That'd be yeah. awesome. I'd love doing that. So what kind of things are you talking about on stage these days? Um, Lately, let's see. What's going on? Uh, they're shutting down the weed stores out here. That sucks, man. I've been talking about that. That's a big, heavy-hitting issue here in L.A., man. Which that's like, that kind of sucks, which, oh, well, we all got to grow up at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it um, sucks because I'm at that point where all my friends are starting to grow up and, like, they have babies and stuff. Uh, like, I'll get a text message. It says, like, eight pounds, five ounces. And I'm like, sweet, let's smoke that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's do it. I don't care about your baby's weight. Let's smoke it. How much can we make? So your your circle of friends, is it, does it change or is it just diminishing now and you have to you know, go out and find new friends? <laughs> no, I pretty much have the. No, I, I'm not famous enough for my friends to leave me or me to leave them yet. So it's pretty much just like uh, comics and stuff, just my friends like that. I live with like three comics out here in LA, man. Oh, okay. That's fun. Yeah, we live in a horrible neighborhood in Pacoima. It sucks. I'm not sure where that's at, and I'm pretty familiar with It's where LA. Richie Valens was from, man, you know? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was really cool back then, I hear, but ever since then, things got bad, I guess, you know? Yeah, well, I guess it's, you know, L.A. is like, you know, some cities where you can just go a few blocks and it's, you know, goes from nice to, like, yeah, not so nice. 
I guess so. It takes me longer to get to the nice areas, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, it seems like there's more blocks on the unnice areas, you know? Yeah. So do you get a lot of stage time in L.A.? I know that's kind of an issue people have out there is that if you can get stage time, it takes forever to get from club to club, and you may only go up, you know? You know. Yeah, that, oh, gosh, that's what does suck is I'm like, especially with, like, the whole drinking thing, you know? Out here you can't drink because you oh, got to yeah. drive, you know? Yeah. And a DUI, that'll set you back big time, so... Which, I mean, in New York, it was amazing, just public transit, dude. Right. I love doing stand-up up there. You would drink, and you don't know how you get home. You're just there. You've got blood on your knuckles, and it's fun. <laughs> but in L.A., like, people can get hurt, you know? So do you ever think about going back to New York and, and doing that, or is the, the acting thing doing pretty good that you need to stay in California? I got to stay here right now just for the acting thing, but I love the whole New York scene. I love doing stand-up out there. It's like you get so much... It's, I just feel so much more alive there, as stupid as that sounds. But just, I don't know, something about this city, man, it's cool. What is, it seems a lot more intense versus Los Angeles, so. Yeah, everyone out here is just stoned and just chilling out. So it's out there, everyone's like, we got work to do, let's do it, you know, yeah. come on. Now, coming from the middle of the country, uh, I'll be the, the, I guess, the southern part of the country, I mean, yeah. do you, you, you're able to fit in pretty easily, though, in both places, it seems. He seems you have a, a sensibility for both. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, I don't, it's weird. Like, I can I can fit in in a lot of places, because we all grew up watching TV, you know what I'm saying? I'm oh, yeah, gonna, that's true. Yeah, I'm not going out there with, it's like the dumb Texas Southerner, like, hey, y'all, what's going on up here? What, New York City, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going in as a dude, you know? Yeah. That's true. I guess it is the the, the the tie that binds us. But because uh, I know a lot of comics sometimes say, "Well, some you know, I'm I'm too polite for New York, or I'm not you know this enough for New York." And then same thing, they go out to LA and they go, "I'm not laid back enough for LA." And it's, you know, I guess you got to yeah. get in where you fit in, as my friend says. Yeah, it's weird, man. Because like it, it is like that. New York is full of like people are just more honest. I feel like they're not gonna like BS you as much as they would here. You yeah, know? that makes sense. So, so, what would be the ultimate gig for you? You know, what, what with the acting and the stand-up comedy. I mean, what would do? What, what's the career trajectory like? Have you ever even thought that far ahead? Nah, yeah, I'm trying to get like this is a TV show right now. That's the that's the main goal right now. I've been working on trying to get this show, Kings of Van Eyes. We're going to shoot reshoot the pilot. Oh. it's with like uh, John Leguizamo and Christopher Lloyd. It's, uh, oh, wow. it's really funny, and hopefully it goes through. You know, that'd be awesome. So looking at that for maybe uh, what they call it, replacement uh, season there in January, February? Yeah, because we shot it the first time in um, April, and it didn't go through, you know? Yeah. And uh, usually that's the end, but they're bringing us back. And none of us got fired either, so that was good. Oh, <laughs> was, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, I'm so getting, like, canned right here. I am not the, I'm not as famous as anyone here, you know? <laughs> I'm getting axed, but it worked out. Yeah, because usually they like to make uh, changes. You know, at least get oh, yeah, replace yeah. one or two people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, who was it? Um, not Joe Rogan. Uh, Adam Carolla was. He, I guess he had a sitcom pilot, and he was on Jimmy Pardo show saying that you know you got these executives standing two feet from your face in rehearsals, thinking they know what's yeah. funny. You know, does that that frustrate you? I, I don't think it doesn't seem like it would. You seem pretty laid back about that kind of stuff. I'm pretty laid back just because usually I can't believe I'm there. You know, and it's almost like playing with the house's money right now. You know, like I'll show up and I'm like. I have a crappy car, dude, and I show up to these places where it's like these people got BMWs and just Mercedes and Lamborghinis and like I'll valet it and it's it's so funny because the valets just give me like such crap about it, you know? And I remember one time at ABC on my test for the pilot, my car actually died in the parking lot and I had to get oh, the, wow. like, 
someone to jump it for me. Did you ever see uh, Beverly Hills Cop? Uh, yeah. The scene where Eddie Murphy pulls up to the Beverly Hills Hotel on his uh, Nova. And uh, someone told me he actually, he, I can't remember who told me this, but someone said he actually just uh, ad-libbed that scene where he hands the keys to the valet and goes, park it someplace nice, all this shit happened this last time I was here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they usually, they give me shit each time I go in there, man. Oh my well, God, come on. Well, things ought to be going pretty well for you, though. You should probably be looking for a new car sometime. Yeah, it's so, I don't, it's so funny. I have done stuff, and I'm wondering at what point does that come where you get these this uh, these checks, that actor lifestyle, you know what I'm uh, saying? Still. I don't know if I'm spending my money bad or what. But <laughs> like, yeah, it's so funny because, like, like, I've done some stuff now, too. But, yeah, I think it's because, like, you get paid residuals. And I haven't gotten residuals yet. And, like, that's – I think that's how they make the big money. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So – You, you got to have, have a piece of the show. I know, but it's not like I'm gonna. I'm just gonna blow it in. I'm not gonna invest in anything well, good if, with the money. If, if they keep yeah. the weed stores closed, you might have a chance. That's true, right? There you uh -oh. go. Dusty's taking over the town. <laughs> All right. So, do you get to uh, tour a lot around the country, or is it, uh, it kind of dependent on the acting schedule? Uh, a good amount. I've, I've been getting to get out a good amount of Portland a few, yeah, two weeks back. Um, Arizona, Fort Lauderdale, um, but it really does depend. Like, what sucks is with the whole acting thing is I'll have to cancel gigs sometimes. Yeah, and that's that's bad. I hate doing that, you know. So there was a point, especially when I was going out a lot, where it's like, man, I can't really take any road stuff because I don't want to. I don't want to get the reputation as the dude that's like canceling. And oh, of course, yeah. it sucks because you've got to cancel because it's like, oh, this could be a shot. Yeah. And then I've canceled and I've not gotten it, and then it's like, hmm. oh, great, I missed out on that and this, you know. Yeah, that's that's a that's probably a tough position to be in. I... It is, but it could be worse. You know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so uh, when you're on stage, is it a lot of story stuff? Is it jokey joke stuff? What's the? Ah, what, uh, I I start out with a good ten minutes of the jokey joke stuff, okay. and <laughs> no, I just do like I do a little jokey joke, a little stories. I tell a few stories about uh, about the pilot. You know, Christopher Lloyd. Oh, okay. Christopher Lloyd was awesome to work with, man. He was like, he was so cool. And I wanted the whole time to like smoke weed with uh, either him or Leguizamo. Cause I was like, man, I, I, I bet you, cause Lloyd, I was pretty sure. I was like, man, I'm pretty sure this guy smoked, you know? <laughs> he just looks like a stoner kinda. So I, one day we we're driving back and we happened to get on the subject of like weed and stuff. And uh, I was like, so Chris, uh, do you ever smoke weed? And he looked at me and he's like, do you got any? And I'm like, oh man, I will. I swear I will have some. <laughs> so you got that. And then it got canceled. <laughs> we didn't get picked up. But. but that weedar was working for you, huh? Oh, dude, totally. It would have been great smoking with him, dude. <laughs> He's like, well, we're going. We don't need roads. Like, ah, Chris, you're great. Well, it sounds like you're living the dream, Dustin. Well, um, no, but thank you. But you're well, it sounds <laughs> thanks. Like, it sounds no, like go, yeah, thanks, going dude. in the right direction, at least. Yeah, exactly. There you uh, go. Yeah, nice day, Jim. All right, man. Well, uh, we'll see you in Cincinnati next week, and this will be in City Beat, uh, and you can pick it up at the club or online, and the, the podcast will drop uh, probably Sunday night, and uh, I'll send you links and all that. All right. Hey, am I going to see you out there? Uh, maybe. Yeah, we, we, we go to the club often, so. All right. Cool, man. Make them check out. All right. All right sweet. Thanks, Dustin. All right. Bye.
Once again, to Dustin Yabara for being on the podcast. You can see Dustin Yabara live in Cincinnati, September 13th through the 16th at Go Bananas. Okay, well, uh, another order of business here. As you know, I not only make the podcasts, I like to listen to the podcasts. And uh, one of my favorites, of course, is Never Not Funny with Jimmy Pardo. And there's a spinoff to that podcast called Never Not Funny Presents Rock Solid. And it's a music podcast, and it stars Pat Francis and Gary Lucy, and they discuss uh, music, new and old. There's usually a theme to it. And anyway, I was mentioned, albeit in a backhanded way, on their most recent episode where they're talking about soundtracks with uh, Chris Mancini and Graham Elwood of Comedy Film Nerds, also a recommended podcast. But um, I posted something on their Facebook page about Pretty in Pink and the OMD song, If You Leave. And well, uh, here's the clip. Oh, and this reminds me on the, uh, uh, please like the uh, Rock Solid page because uh, someone um, had some great information about the Pretty in Pink soundtrack that I'm not going to like r- regale you all with it here now, but there was just some <laughs> interesting facts about it that uh, he's kind of a, he's kind of a honk for OMD. He always tries to interject OMD into the conversation mm-hmm. and uh, interesting stuff. And there you have it. So thanks to the guys at Rock Solid for almost giving me a shout out on their show. All right, and one more bit of uh, music news. As you know, we've been following the whole One Direction versus One Direction controversy. There's an American band that had the name first, and they sued the British band uh, of the same name. And uh, it was settled this week uh, in a court, I, I, I guess in the UK. And what's going to happen is One Direction US is going to now change their name to Uncharted Shores, which is the name of, uh, I think, their most recent single. And One Direction UK will go on as One Direction. And an uh, interesting case, uh, you know, the One Direction kids in California really liked the name. They thought they had it first. A lot of people thought, well, they're just trying to, you know, uh, you know abscond on the success and I'm using that word improperly, by the way, on the success of uh, the One Direction UK kids who've had, you know, some worldwide success. And, of course, One Direction UK didn't grab the name and go, oh, that's a really great name. We should use that. So big mix-up. But anyway, um, that being said, uh, of the two bands, you know, I think the what makes That's What Makes You Beautiful by One Direction UK is probably the best track amongst the two bands. However, song for song, I think the American former One Direction, now Uncharted Shores, uh, has the better tracks, or, you know, power punk kind of situation, you know, like like an all-time low or a We Are the In Crowd or that kind of situation. So um, I thought to uh, take us out, we'll, we'll play Uncharted Shores, the song by now Uncharted Shores, uh, after I tell you that uh, you can like PF Tape Recorder on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at PF66. The music for PF Tape Recorder was composed by John Veropoulos with a little help from me and performed by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Uh, the PF Tape Recorder logo was designed by Dan Coble. Follow him at Tiger Dactyl. And uh, I believe that is all the business we have at hand for this week, other than to say so long and thanks for listening and taking us out. It's Uncharted Shores, the newly minted Uncharted Shores, with their song, Uncharted Shores, no longer called One Direction. Oh.